Good evening. How are you doing? Good, good. We have uh, a lot of different things going on at Community Baptist Church. I'm going to be Anthony. I cannot talk that fast, so uh, don't plan on it. But uh, uh, all the normal things that happens. But don't forget, we do have um, uh, Grief Share every Monday. There's still opportunity for you to sign up for that. We do have our date night for couples coming up, and so I was getting all that printed off today, and my printer died, and so we called the repairman, and he said, uh, you need to throw it in the dumpster. I said, we've only had it a year and a half. He said, it's going to be a lot more to repair it than to fix it. So I said, I guess that's the way things are now, So, uh, but I will have that for Sunday, and uh, for some of you that don't want to spend a night and you just want to come to the depot on the 15th, you'll be able to do that, and I'll get us the big room, and you'll be able to enjoy at least a, a part of the uh, weekend there. And don't forget Easter sunrise service. We'll have it 7 a.m. We'll do breakfast at 7.30, and then we'll have our combined uh, – I, I mean, I'm sorry. We'll have our Easter service at 8.45, and uh, uh, Hispanic service we'll have here at 8.45. And the Hispanic service is going to join us uh, for the sunrise service. And so I'm going to brush up on my Spanish, I guess, right? I'm just kidding. Um, so, and we have Marietta Bible College coming uh, Tuesday, April 26th, and that will be our Wednesday evening midweek service. And then Glenn Claudio will be with us on May 1st. He's our missionary to Spain. He is actually here in the States, and uh, he's going to explain why. And uh, we have actually helped them. Uh, they're actually helping getting Spanish ministry started. So uh, he's been here for many of the mornings uh, on Sunday mornings. And then don't forget, we have Saturday, May 7th, our Crooked, Golf, uh, Crooked Tree Golf Tournament. And uh, if you wanted to support a whole uh, and, and have a sign put up in memory of and honor of or your business, uh, please go ahead and fill out that piece of paper. We need to go ahead and get all those submitted. And uh, it is $100 per sign. All the proceeds will go to Chris Sharp and help for any uh, type of medical um, bills that he has coming in. Um, don't forget about the cemetery vases. Uh, the June 1st, you'll have to have all your flowers off the ground by June 1st. 
And uh, don't forget also Betty Fields um, is, it has her address in there. She should be coming home tomorrow. So that is a praise there. And I know she's excited about that. Before I move on, are there any other announcements uh, that I need to make? All right, good deal. All right, let's go straight in the prayer request here. Uh, don't forget about, um, of course, Betty's coming home, uh, Jack and Shirley Goodwin, uh, Don and Ann Hepler, um, and uh, Don recovering, uh, and Dixie and Joe, uh, Roger's still recovering, uh, also from his shoulder surgery. Uh, Virgil had hand surgery uh, and uh, removed cancer from his hand. And uh, good news, they only had to go in there one time. Many of you have been in that particular surgery, and they'll pull the skin, and then they'll evaluate it and go deeper and go deeper if they have to. And so, but they only had to go in one time. And so, Tamitha McNeil, uh, still recovering from both of her hand surgeries, she had operated on at the same time. Uh, Deanna Robinson is uh, is Robbins is uh, now she was actually at the um, uh, grief share on Monday and uh, moving slow. And uh, don't forget Melissa Ron, uh, Ryan and uh, the, of course the Sharp family and uh, uh, Elena uh, Bailey. Atlanta Bailey. Uh, Smithy, uh, we got some good news on the baby. This is Debbie Hodges' uh, uh, grandbaby. And so many of you remember that uh, there was a possibility that there may have to be some, some surgery on the kidneys. And they got the report today, no surgery needed, and the kidneys are functioning, uh, the bladder's filling up, emptying, and so we're thanking the Lord for that. That's been a lot of prayer in that child, uh, something that a, the, the doctor has you know, I told Debbie, I said, that doctor pretty much wrote this baby off at the beginning, and look what God has done. Um, so the Lord has answered that prayer. There is another story where um, uh, an acquaintance of mine, they had uh, they had triplets, and um, and the doctor said, you need to you need to get rid of one of these children. And uh, and he said, because they're not going to make it. And, you know, of course, the mom and dad said no. And uh, and they were all healthy and, and, and did great. And he said, I often look at them and say, which one would I have gotten rid of? You know, um, and so we cannot listen to the doctors because we have to leave that in the Lord's hands. But so just continue to pray for this and also for uh, Shane Phillips and his family there. And I uh, remember them. But are there any other uh, prayer requests that need to be mentioned tonight? Yes. Julia Sims. Thank you. Yes, Gloria. Jane, and Jan and Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Judy. I need to get some information on that. And Tyler Freeman is having surgery also this Friday. And some of you know uh, Brittany Colner um, and Zach. This is Bab's um, daughter. I guess how how it would be daughter-in-law. I guess of, of this or granddaughter-in-law. I guess how it would be. And uh, she's having uh, surgery tomorrow morning at six. Uh, be there at six a.m. I'll be there for that surgery at Wesley Long. And so pray for Brittany Colner. 
Yes, John. Yes, I've got that on, uh, that'll be in this week's bulletin. And so they, uh, you said a centimeter from the heart? Do what? Oh, okay. Ross Flynn. Anybody else? All right. Let's pray. God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we have a lot of surgeries this week. But not only that, we had um, laid to rest uh, two individuals, Anastasia um, and also... Uh, Tim and Gary's uh, uh, mom, Lord, and I just, Lord, I ask for these families that have laid to the loved ones to rest this week, and Lord, for all those who were able to minister and will continue to minister, Lord, that we, uh, that you give the peace uh, that passes all understanding, but also you, uh, you make us ministers to these families when um, they have been ministers to us for uh, many years, and they and, and Lord, it, it, we see that how this comes in full circle. Lord, we have a lot of surgeries this week and a lot of procedures, and God, we are thankful for how you've already answered uh, these prayers, and we are thankful for the baby, Lord. We're thankful for uh, that you have answered this prayer, Lord, and uh, starting so young, and God, that uh, this is a miracle child for sure. And God, we are uh, praying for this uh, fireman that uh, has this bullet lodged, Lord. And uh, Lord, we don't understand sovereignty and we don't pretend to and or your plan. But Lord, uh, we do ask if there is a way that he can live um, his life um, with this, without complications. We ask that, that this would be your will. And Lord, we also pray if, if there's a way they can remove it, Lord, just send in the right specialist for this, for this, uh, this time. And Father, we pray for Brittany tomorrow morning uh, as uh, she goes into surgery at uh, 6 a.m. and uh, she has her procedure. And for Zach and the family as they uh, prepare for to be able to take care of mom. And Lord, for Randy and Tyler as they have their procedures on uh, Friday, Lord, we just ask for um, uh, we ask for that comfort and that peace of mind. We pray for everything to go smoothly according uh, to Your will. Now, Lord, we pray for tonight as we look into your word and we ask that you would uh, give us a clear understanding of what you're trying to tell us. Don't let me add anything that's not there or take away from anything that's not there. So, Lord, I ask for your help as we get ready to sing to you that we would sing from a heart and not just a lip service. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we get ready to sing. Appreciate you doing this. I won't forget Y'all, um, well, Chris talking about those triplets. I got two brothers. I'm glad my mama didn't have to make that decision because I know who wouldn't be here today. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a blessing right there in yourself. All right, let's start, let's turn to uh, page up to one thirty eight. Is that right? Three twenty eight. I was close. What a friend we have in Jesus. All three verses.
Seems like a long time since I have been here. Uh, so we had the, the service, the song service, which they did a great job with that. And then, uh, of course, I was in Florida uh, last Wednesday. So uh, thank you, Bob, for taking care of that. And I understand y'all had tornado warnings during that time. And, and so uh, I'm glad everybody was okay. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 16, 1 through. We're only going to cover 14 verses uh, this evening. Wow, what a chapter. And uh, the last time we spoke, if, if I got to jar your memory here, David is running from his life along with 600 plus individuals, his men, their wives. It could have been 1,200. It could have been 1,500. The Bible, we know there was at least 600 and that was the men. And, they, and then we got David's family and he is running from his own son, Absalom. And now, right as he's leaving, David sends back the Ark of the Covenant, and he also sends back the priest to take care of the dealings in the temple. But there was another man that he sent back, and his name was Hushai. Hushai was a friend of David. And Hushai was going to be the one that's going to send the messages back and forth because, and here's the reason, David wanted to know what Absalom was doing. However, he also didn't want to give any reason for Absalom to kill the high priest. And you'd say, would Absalom kill the high priest? Saul murdered every one of the high priests except for one. You ever believe Absalom would murder the high priest also. If he thought they were doing anything to try to overturn him. That's how wicked these men are. And so Hushai is going to run back and forth and tell David what's happening. All right. Now I want to tell you, this chapter 16 is a very sad chapter and David is in a very depressed state in his life that you're going to see. And I thought about this, and I posted this on Facebook on our church site, and I thought about, have you ever felt like the entire world was against you? Have you ever felt like that you were really not going to see the light of day? 
I've had counseling sessions where people said that, you know what, I was on the verge of taking my life because I didn't see that there was any hope for tomorrow. I didn't see how I could get through this. And David, we never see that he was getting ready to take his life in this chapter, but I want to tell you, I think he's about as low as a person can get. And, about, and I asked you this, have you ever felt this way? Remember this saying, feelings don't make reality. Feelings don't make reality. I feel a lot of ways, but that doesn't make it real. That doesn't make a reality. I don't know about you. Have you ever hit your toe on the edge of the bed? Walk into the bathroom. Do you feel saved at that particular moment? The reality is we're not saved by how we feel. We're saved because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That's why we're saved. But David feels the lowest he's ever felt. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're getting ready to have insult to injury. He is running from his life, from his own son, by the way, which David also caused a lot of this, did he not? Because he didn't handle business back with Amnon when he raped Tamar. And then we have his servant, Bathsheba's grandfather, is going to play a role into Sunday nights. And all of this is transpiring from the past consequences. Has David been forgiven? And the answer is yes, but the consequences still lived on. So, if we get into verse 1, in chapter 16, it says, Now when David had gone a little beyond the summit, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a team of saddle donkeys on them, and were two hundred loaves of bread, hundred cakes of raisins, and a hundred summer fruits, and a jug of wine. Now I want you to picture these donkeys with a hundred cakes, and a hundred summer fruits, and a jug of wine, and a hundred loaves of bread. What these donkeys must have looked like. Let, let me tell you what the Bible is trying to picture here. They're loaded down till they could haul no more, okay? Now, the man Ziba here, he is the servant of Mephibosheth. David planted this servant in Mephibosheth's life to take care of Mephibosheth. Because Mephibosheth, if you remember, this is Jonathan's son. He was crippled. He was dropped at the age of four years old. When the enemy came in and the, and the caretaker jerked him up, dropped him on the floor, Mephibosheth is crippled, and David later on says, who can I so, show the kindness of God to? If you look at our website, that is the theme of our church, who can I show the kindness of God to today? And so here, David is, David is shown the kindness of Mephibosheth, and we talked about that, how Mephibosheth is a representation of us. And how we are, are crippled, we are blind, we are full of sin. I mean, all these things. Mephibosheth wasn't blind, by the way, but he was crippled. But we're now sitting at the king's table. And here comes this man, and we're going to call him the false servant. And Ziba comes in, and he was supposed to be taking care of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth could not take care of himself. Ziba brought two saddled donkeys. Now, he had all these vital supplies. He's bringing all these supplies to David and his family, right? He's, he's bringing these out. I mean, these donkeys are struggling to get out there. I mean, he has loaded them down. Have you ever known anybody that's done something for you simply because they had an ulterior motive? And you thought, wow, this is a great, nice person. 
wow, I can't believe they did this for me. But all along, they had another plan. This is Ziba. He didn't saddle those two donkeys down and have all this, this food on there because he wanted to be a kind person. He was not living out the kindness of God. So let's see what he was doing. Verse 2. And the king said to Ziba, why do you have these? And Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride, the bread and summer fruits are for the young men to eat, and the wine for whoever is weary in the wilderness to drink. Look, David immediately goes, why do you have these? You know what David's doing? I'm checking everybody's motives because I don't trust you. I've already been done by wrong by so many people. I don't trust you. Why do you have these? And then he starts explaining, oh, David, these are for your family. I love your family so much, and you have such a great family, and I just want you to know. And by the way, for whoever's weary here, here's, here's some wine for them to help encourage them along the way, right? Cheer them up. The Bible talks about that. To strengthen them with the food. It's going to be a long journey, David, and I just want to make sure your family's taken care of, and especially you, David. I want to make sure you, David, are well taken care of. Right. This is, he's laying it out. He's a false servant. Verse three. Then the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. Oh, David immediately begins to go and say, where is who? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth cannot take care of himself. He needs you, Ziba. Where is he? Because ultimately, who is responsible for Mephibosheth? David is, right? David is ultimately the one that brought him into the household, but who did he assign to servant to serve Mephibosheth? It was Ziba. And so he is like, where is the man that I assigned to you that I promised Jonathan that I would take care of him for the rest of his life where is he? You can see David, he has zero tolerance for any nonsense right now. Oh, he stayed. Now, this had to pique David's interest and also shock David. Why would it shock David? Because here's what we know to be true. When Absalom comes into the city, he's going to wipe out everybody that's associated or befriended David. He's going to kill him. He and his men. And so David... When he hears he stayed in Jerusalem, he's like, oh, no. Why in the world would he stay in Jerusalem? All these thoughts are going through David's head. He's going to be killed. I promised Jonathan that I would take care of his son. Now he's going to be killed. Ziba, why did you let him stay in Jerusalem? But here is Ziba's answer. Remember, he said it. Today, the house of Israel will be restored to the kingdom. He said, this is what Ziba's claim is. Well, David, Mephibosheth has turned against you just like everybody else. And he stayed. In fact, he said, my, my grandfather's kingdom, my father's kingdom, the house of Saul will be restored today. And that's what he said to me. And he was serious. And you know, he probably ad-libbed. Oh yeah, and he told me he was gonna kill me if I didn't get out of here. So I loaded up all this just to bring to you, David. And he's making up all of these things. And the question that I had, why in the world did David believe 
such a story. You know what? I believe when we're already down and out, we believe a lot of things, don't we? When we're already going through depression, we already, uh, already I mean, look, he's left his home. His son's turned against him. He had so many turn against him that just one more person, yeah, that, that made about right sense, right? You ever had something happen over and over and a problem and this problem and this problem and one more thing happened? You, you, yeah, that makes sense, right? But you know, have you ever listened to one side of the story before and thought, my goodness, I cannot believe them. I cannot believe they said that. I cannot believe they did that. I cannot believe that. Let me tell you, do not listen to one side of the story. There's always another side. And that's what I tell couples. I'm not listening to just you. Can I come in to you, me alone? Can I just come and talk to you alone? Because mm -mm. you're going to give me your side. And I need both sides. And so David's only heard one side. Well, why is it that he didn't say, I need to go find out the other side because he's running for his life. He didn't take the time and say, you know what? I need to go find out and get to the bottom of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is not able to move, by the way. He don't have time to go find out the other side of the story. And not only this, I believe David is so broken that he's not even going to question the reliability of this story. But Ziba is a snake in the grass. I want y'all to understand this, and I want you to know that he is going to pay for the words right here that he spoke to David later on. Verse four, so the king said to Ziba, behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I prostrate myself and I find favor in your sight, my lord, the king. Wow, look at David. He just answered. David said, he didn't, it was no more conversation. David said, well, David said what? Everything that I gave to Mephibosheth that was Saul's, that was Jonathan's, and I gave all that land and all that cattle and all that fruit trees and all the palace, it is now yours, Ziba. Ziba said, thank you. You know what? I believe that Ziba knew the whole time that this was what David reaction was because he went and approached him when he was down. And David, I don't think he could take one more thing. And what does he say? Oh, I prostrate myself. Uh, I prostrate myself before you, David. Hey, do you remember the last person that prostrated himself down before David? His son, Absalom. Remember that? And when he prostrated himself down, and remember what I told you? There was nothing but wickedness in his heart. He already knew he was going to turn against his daddy. When Ziba prostrated himself down before David, there was nothing but wickedness in his heart. All these people, it was just an outward show of reverence. Like a lot of people before God. In verse five, when the king David came to Behurim, behold, a man was coming out in, of the family of the house of Saul and his name was Shimea, the son of Gerera. And he was coming out cursing as he came. Now here's this man, <laughs> He comes, he knew that they were leaving. And by the way, he was a relative. I believe it was a distant cousin, if, if I've studied this outright, from Saul. And so here's David walking out and Shimei starts yelling, ah, you're getting what you deserve. And he starts cursing at the king. Now, I want to go tell you this. 
Five days prior, he wouldn't have cursed at the king. It's funny how we we gain a lot of um, strength when somebody else is down. And when we feel like we can get over on them. And that what happens a lot, you know, I just recently was reading something and there are people who will, like if, if, if a family member passes away and they were the last one, that these scoundrels will come in when the family's all together and they haven't even buried the man or woman yet. And these people will say, I'll, I'll buy this whole house for, what do you owe, 30000 I'll buy it for $32,000. And they take advantage of them. Oh yeah, that, well, that solves all our problems because we're sitting there trying to figure out how we're going to pay this off. While they were down, while they were emotionally down, these people come in and do this. And here what happened was, here Shimei is walking into David and he starts cursing him. He starts yelling at him. And by the way, I think is a coward for doing it this way. He didn't have the guts to approach him when he was king and when he was strong and when he was... He was doing it when he was down. Why? Because I think he was rejoicing when somebody else failed. You know what? I see this in people's lives that they rejoice when somebody else falls. And that is a wicked thing when you laugh when somebody else falls or you say, well, that's what they get. You don't know what they get. God is the determiner of that. Because if we get what we deserve, then all of us deserve hell. Not only this, he only spoke evil to David's face when he knew there would be no consequences. When he knew there would be no consequences, but here's the problem. There's going to be consequences. Shimei is going to pay for this little act. Because here's the thing, Shimei really believed that the house of Saul would be restored. And this is what everybody's forgotten. God put David as king. And that has been the final word. And so, by the way, who was Shimei? Well, we've seen 18 different times in the Bible. Okay, when you read Shimei, don't automatically think, oh, this is the guy. There's 18 Shimeis in the Bible. Only one of them is referenced to this right here, okay? In this storyline. There's also another Shimei that's in another story, but every all the other Shimeis are just talking about the lineage. So don't automatically think every Shimei, because I wanted to throw that in there as you're doing your Bible study. Verse 6. What did he do? He cursed at him, and he also threw stones, in verse 6, at David and all the servants of the king. And all the people that were warriors were on his right and on his left. Now this ridiculous man picks up stones and begins to throw stones at David. Do you ever think this man would have threw a stone to the man that threw a stone at the nine-foot giant and killed him? Do you think this guy would have done this at the, the warrior David? And what happens? David doesn't react, but who does? All of these men, his 30 faithful, 600. What do they do? It says they gather on his right and his left. And here's what I don't know, but I'm going to play this out. I don't know. 
Who's right and who's left? Who's right and who's left? You know what? I think on Shimei's right and Shimei's left and on David's right and David's left, Shimei was surrounded. And this man continued to pick up rocks and dirt and continued to throw them. And here comes the warriors and they're getting ready to slay him. Verse 7, this is what Shimei said when he cursed. Go away, go away, you man of bloodshed and you worthless man. And here's some things. I thought, why in the world he is surrounded by 600 plus men, warriors, standing and David standing. You, I want you to picture David as he is broken. His son has turned against him. He is standing there like a child, broken, not a king, not a warrior taking the cursing, taking the rocks being thrown at him. I can dare say that those rocks hit him and bounced off and he sat there and watched them. What in the world would cause Shimei to act this way? Number one, I think he might've been drunk because that would have been one of the reasons that he would have been so free-tongued. Now, no commentary says that. I just thought, what, what brought this man to this? I think something else was, I think he hated David so much he was finally able to tell him in his current condition. But I know this to be true. He believed a lie about David. Because what does he say? You man of bloodshed. Now, there's no doubt that David is a warrior and he's a man of bloodshed, but that's not what Shimei was talking about. You know what Shimei was saying? You killed my cousin. So that's what he was talking about. By the way, y'all that has been here over and over week after week, did David kill Saul? No, he fell on his own sword. Shimei has believed a lot. What did David do? He honored Saul. He ran from Saul. Saul consistently persisted him. 20 years in the wilderness, he ran from Saul. And Shimei has believed a lie. You killed him. And David did nothing but honor Saul. And he's blaming him for losing the kingdom. Blaming David. Verse 8. The Lord has brought back upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have become king. And the Lord has handled, handed the king over to your son Absalom. And behold, you are caught in your own evil, David, for you are a man of bloodshed. And now he's talking about, and by, by the way, he, he's partly correct in saying all of this. That the Lord has allowed this. The Lord has done this. He's allowed all this to take place. But remember, in whose place you became king, it was God who put David as king. God is the one who decided this. He is the one who ordained uh, David as king. And it says, the Lord has given Absalom the kingdom. How terrible-minded is this? You know, the Lord has done this. You know what he just said? Listen. The Lord has put Absalom as king. The Lord has done no such thing. How many times do we contribute the Lord doing something and God is not 10 miles from something, right? Oh, I believe this is God's will. I believe this is the Lord's will that I do this or this or this. And God's going, no, it's not. I don't know who you're listening to. And Shimei's going, oh, the Lord has put Absalom. No, the Lord hasn't. In fact, the truth is, the Lord never told David to leave the kingdom. David left. 
because he didn't trust the God enough to stay. And he said, you're called in your own evil. Now, what was David's evil? The sin with Bathsheba, not, not punishing Amnon and not taking care of Absalom when he's supposed to. That's the evil, but not killing Saul. That's what David, that's what he's talking about. Verses 9, Then Abishai, the son of Zeruah, said to king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Now let me go over and cut his head off. I love me some Abishai. You know when I really fell in love with Abishai? And you remember this? You remember when they were in the wilderness and they had come out of the caves and they looked down and they see 3,000 of Saul's men. And see, 3,000 of Saul's men were encircled and Saul was planted right in the middle. And if you remember, Saul's sword was stuck in the ground and that's what warriors would do. So when they stood up to fight, if they come, they would grab their sword and the water bottle was there also. And David said, hey, yeah, David, I need volunteers to go down in the middle of these 3,000 sleeping men. And we hope none of them wakes up when we're in the middle of them. And let's go down and get something that belongs to Saul, just to show them we've been there. Any volunteers? Any volunteers? Abishai said, yeah, I'll go. I don't mind dying today. I'll go. Let's go. This is the Abishai. This crazy rascal said, let's go. He invented the word, hey, y'all watch this, right? <laughs> he and David went in the middle of 3,000 men. This is Abishai. This is your friend that you want through thick and thin. He was the only one that volunteered to go in the middle of 3,000 men of Saul. And by the way, they got it too. They walked out with the sword and, hey, hey. And they woke them all up. God put a deep sleep over these men. And what does he say? Why should this dead dog, if you remember, I've talked about being called a dead dog. Uh, we see this. Uh, in the New Testament, to be for an Israelite to be called a dead dog, it was one of the worst insults that an Israelite could receive. So all of a sudden, Abishai, in his words, goes for the juggler and he said, why should this dead dog, because that's exactly what he is, he's a dog and he's getting ready to be dead. Why are you allowing this? Why should he talk to my Lord, my King, like this. And then he says, let me cut off his head. Do you think Abishai was capable? If you can hold your place there in verse six, uh, chapter 16, will you turn over to 2 Samuel 23 for me? 2 Samuel 23, verse 18. The question I have for you, is Abishai capable of cutting off Shimei's head? Okay. 2 Samuel 23, verse 18. Later on, we have a battle, and now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruah, was chief of 30. He swung his spear against 300 and killed them and had a name as well as the three. How many men did Abishai kill by himself? 
300 by himself. Can you imagine? This was a man's man. So when he looked at this little shimmy eye, he didn't have to have all these other guys standing around him. He said, bud, you are a goner. And I'm defending David. Killing Shimei would have been an afterthought. But he went to get permission. Why did he get permission? Because of how David was responding. The rocks were bouncing off. The dirt was falling off. And Abishai's looking at him going, who are you? You're not the warrior in the wilderness. The one that stood before Goliath. And so he's getting permission. Verse 10 of chapter 16 now. But the king said, What business of mine is yours, you son of Zeruah? If he curses and, and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who should say, why have you done so? Has anybody ever stepped out of line and got your nose where it didn't belong? I think everybody in here has done that. I certainly have. Have you ever been told this? Stay in your lane. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're driving down the car and you're on 85 and you get somebody else's lane. It means mind your own business. I have told people to stay in their lane and I have been told to stay in my lane and I appreciate that reminder. What is David saying to Abishai? And he says, what business of mine is yours? David said, Abishai, stay in your lane and shut your mouth. Now, Abishai's like, hey, bud, <laughs> I marched in the middle of 3,000 men for you. But he does. He, he closes his mouth. And then he says, if he curses and if the Lord has told him, listen to David's comment here. This is amazing. He's saying, maybe God has revealed this to him. Maybe God has told him to say this to me, Abishai. Maybe God is speaking directly through Shimei. Now, you want to know how low David has gotten? This is how low David has gotten. Now he is listening to a man, maybe possibly drunk, but definitely bitter and angry towards him. And he's saying, maybe I'm listening to the word of the Lord right now. And Abishai's going, huh? And he's saying this. David is saying, don't question the sovereignty of God. That's what he's telling them. This could be from God. Now, what does this mean? Why in the world would David say this man could be speaking from the Lord? You know why I think? I think David, once again, was so low and he felt everybody had turned against him. Not only everybody, but also God himself has turned against him. And honestly, I believe it's because David's relationship with him had been strained for some time now, and he felt there had been no relationship, no fellowship. And he says, God has turned against me. He's using a fool to speak through. Verse 11, And then David said to Abishai and all of his servants, Behold, my son who came out of my body seeks my life after my own body, seeks my life, and how much more now this Benjamite? Leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him, David, you've gone mad. He says, look here. He says, my own son seeks my life. My own son's coming to kill me. 
And then he looks at, he said, how much more the Shimei, this Benjaminite, this, this, this cousin of Saul, how much more does he want to kill me? He said, if my own son wants to kill me, then how much more do my enemies are going to come up against me right now? Everybody just listen. But then he says, leave him alone. God's told him to say it. Well, obviously, David's not seeking vengeance. God is going to get vengeance on these men, by the way. The storyline is going to change. But David is in a really, really hard place in his life where he feels everybody has turned against him. You know what the amazing thing is? Who are the people that we're often the most unkind to are the ones that live in our own house. The ones that support us, that take care of us when we're sick, the ones that, that are there for us, those are the ones we usually snap at or turn against quickly. Who did he turn against? The people who followed him out of Jerusalem and uprooted their entire family. The Abishais. Who did he turn to? Oh, this is God's voice. This is God's voice. Verse 12. Perhaps the Lord will look on my misery and return good to me instead of cursing his cursing this day. He said, perhaps. David says, I'm not sure what God is willing to do, but I pray to him that he's going to look on my misery. And this word right here, it means it's the lowest point of his life. And he did not even want to lift a finger to defend himself because he knew the guilt. And he said, I just want to return. And I want God to return good on me. And I want to experience the grace of God again. I don't want to... I don't want to give vengeance to this man. I just want God to shine down upon me again. And at this point, he is not. Verse 13, so David and his men went on the road. And this crazy fool Shimei, and this is why I think he's drunk, is because he kept following him. And he kept taunting him. He keeps cursing him. And he keeps throwing stones at him. And he keeps throwing dirt at him. So David turns and all these people and here this crazy fool, he's throwing rocks. Can I ask you this? I don't care if I was defending David. But he, you know, what if he hit Abishai's wife? Mm. Abishai, now this is personal, right? How many people did this crazy fool hit? But all these people obeyed the king's voice. And they're following after this leader who's not necessarily a, a good leader right now. And then the storyline begins to change. Beginning in verse 15. Verse 14, And the king and all the people who were with him arrived exhausted. But then it says something, And he refreshed himself there. This, this was a physical, a spiritual exhaustion that these people were experiencing and David did not do the hard things while in the palace. So now he is living the hard life on the road. Now listen, 
when he was in the palace, he did not do, he did not take care of Amnon. He did not go to battle. He slept with Bathsheba. He did not take care of Absalom the way he should have. And he lived the easy life. And now he is living the hard life. But the Bible says when he reached the point, they refreshed themselves. And I think this is interesting. And I think God's grace is extended right here. This is my personal opinion. In the midst of all of this tragedy from Absalom, Shimei, everybody coming against him, even Mephibosheth, the one he gave all this to, that, that one probably had to work, hurt as bad, right? David was able to stop and rest because I'll tell you this, one of the things that is nearly impossible to do in the midst of tragedy in your life when you feel like everybody is against you is to rest, is it not? Your mind doesn't stop. You don't have the peace. And God is allowing them to stop and rest at this particular point. And Sunday night, we're going to pick up the whole storyline just switches in verse 15. Father, we love you today. And God, we feel often that everybody has come against us. And God, we look at our lives and we see sometimes how can good ever come from this? And God, as we continue on in this story, we're going to see your grace is going to be poured out. And those people who stood up against David will pay a price because they didn't just come against David, they came against you. And God, I'm thankful that you're the defender of us and we don't have to defend ourselves. Thank you for this group of people who just want to dig and, and understand your word and how we'd apply these to our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.